Genesis 25. Once you're there, I'm just going to read a few verses from Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. It's not how to epitomize Abraham's life. <laughs> right? Let's just uh, look to the Lord here. Our Father in Heaven, thank You so much for just this series that we're going through, the book of Genesis. We're thankful for the life of Abraham. Um, Lord, I think Abraham's quoted more than anyone else in Scripture. Um, but Lord, we just are thankful for this man's faith. And we're thankful for Your precious Word. Something that was written so many years ago, something that actually happened even further before, before that, and yet it's so relevant, so applicable to us today in our Christian walk. Help us to understand these things, we pray, by Thy Holy Spirit's help. In Jesus' name, Amen. And so you are in, we don't use the word luck, but I'm going to say you're in luck today, okay? because uh, for some reason, I prepared the whole chapter of 25, and I just realized, coming in this morning, that's right, I only have the first 18 verses. So that means it should be short for you today. Should be. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, even that would be said. That being said, uh, the portion that we have today, verses 1 through 18, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on verses 12 to 18. If you look at that there, that records for us the families of Ishmael. And it talks about the genealogy of Ishmael, who we all know is Hagar's son, and it goes on to his children, his children's children. And uh, just one thing I want to point out before we kind of go into our points here is, if you'll look there in verse 19, it says, uh, sorry, verse 18, uh, they dwelt from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt, as you go towards Assyria. He died in the presence of all his brethren. That's kind of a neat thought couple things. One, you remember Genesis chapter 16, where God met Hagar the first time they were cast out, her and her child that was within her, and God met her, and she called him the God who sees me, right? And he says something interesting about her son. He says, listen, you're going to be fine. You're going to go back, and he is going to dwell in the presence of his brethren. Well, you know what? God fulfilled that, didn't he? Here's Ishmael at the end of his life, and it says that he died in the presence of his brethren. But I always wonder about that too. What was that like? Who was there? Right? Isaac's there probably. We're going to learn about uh, Abraham's other sons. They're there. Who knows? Maybe Lot's family. They're all there. Right? So Ishmael, even though he's not the promised child, which we've talked about, right? Here he is now dying, right? In the presence 
of his brethren, just as God had said. And God certainly made him a great nation. But we're just going to focus on verses 1 through 11 this morning of Genesis chapter 25. So let's read that together. It says in the beginning of verse 1, Abraham again took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimran and Jokshan and Medan and Midian, Ishbak and Shuah. Jokshan begot Sheba and Deban, and the sons of Deban were uh, Shurim, um, Letushim, and Leomimim. Leomim. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, and the sons of Midian were Ephah, and Ephah, and Hanok, and Abadah, and Eldah. All these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. You see why I'm also not reading 12 through 18, because that's enough right there for me. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac his son, to the country of the east. And so we'll just stop there for a second um, before we read the next portion. Is The first point I want to make today is this. God's strength never runs out. Okay? God's strength never runs out. Okay? We already know that Sarah has passed now. And so Abraham marries another woman. He marries Keturah. Okay? And she gives him six more sons. Okay? Some believe that it's actually been 20 years since Sarah's death that Abraham marries Keturah. And it seems if you look at Scripture, Keturah was another one of his concubines that he had. Same as Hagar. Okay? And so that means that now Abraham had eight sons in all, right? Abraham had Ishmael, right, through Hagar. He had Isaac through Sarah. And now he's got six sons by Keturah. Okay? Now, why is that interesting to me? Well, in Genesis chapter 17, verse 17, Abraham upon hearing that God was going to give him a son, he actually falls on his face and laughs. And he says, can God give a son to a man who's 100 years old? And at the time, he was 99. This is what Abraham says. So not only, as we know the story goes, not only did God give Abraham and Sarah strength to have Isaac, But look at this, 20 some odd years later, he's got six more sons. It's amazing to me, right? That here is the man who had said he was too old to have children. And when God renewed Abraham's natural strength for begetting Isaac, he did not take that strength away, right? Abraham was able to marry again and have another family, however old He was 120-something years old, right? And so I think that's important for us. You know, it's just a simple little illustration, but, you know, sometimes circumstances, unexpected struggles, sickness, setbacks, trials and temptations can leave us feeling tired, can leave us feeling weak and drained, right? Have you ever felt like you were in need of renewed strength from the Lord? I have, (laughs) right? And so, however, God is able to renew our strength each day as we trust and wait on Him. In fact, Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
Not only that, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says this, When we are weak, then we are strong, because God's strength is made perfect in weakness. What amazes me about the strength of God is that it never runs out, unlike my own human strength. And for those of you who are my age and older, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it's the strangest thing. Like, where you don't have the same human strength anymore. It just runs out. Okay? Or you just can't do things as long as you were able to do before. You just, the endurance is not there anymore. Right? But not with God's strength. God's strength never runs out. Here, he enables Abraham's natural strength for having Isaac, and it doesn't go away. It lasts for years later for him to have another family and six more sons. And so all we have to do, right, is trust God, right? Be willing to depend on his strength as we face each day because God is able to renew our strength daily. So just a little illustration here with Abraham now having six more sons is know that God's strength never runs out. Rely on God's strength. Let his strength be made perfect in your weakness. Okay? And even as we slowly lose our human strength, right? know that God's strength never runs out. And I love, too, again, how they make a distinction here. right? There's a distinction, again, made between these six new sons and his son Isaac. Huh? They received gifts. That's nice, right? But they did not receive uh, the blessing that Isaac received and so remember don't forget we've already gone through that so we're not going to go into in detail but isaac was god's choice to carry on the covenant line not these other sons okay isaac isaac was the promised one the chosen one of god and so keturah's sons yep they received gifts but isaac received the inheritance isaac receives the blessing of the covenant but what about these six sons well we know very little of them, except of Midian. Midian, we remember him, huh? In fact, right, the Midianites were famous traders moving between Gilead and Egypt outside the promised land. One day, hundreds of years later from this time right now, Abraham's great-grandsons will sell their brother Joseph to some Midianite slave traders who will take him to Egypt where Potiphar will buy him. Remember that? Again, 400 years after that, 400 years later, the Midianites are still around because Moses will marry a Midianite woman. Okay? And Moses will be greatly helped by his Midianite father-in-law, Jethro. Yet, the Midianites will also exert a bad influence over the sons of Abraham, the Israelites. They will lead them astray during the Exodus years. Through the Midianites, the children of Israel will start to worship false gods. And that brings God's wrath down upon them. And then lastly, you remember the famous story of Gideon. Gideon will defeat the Midianite army, right? About a hundred years even after that. And a night victory without even a bow or an arrow. Amazing, right? That God would give Gideon that victory. All they had was some torches in a jar and broke them open and they won the battle. Right? But the Midianites we know a lot about. We don't really know very much about these other sons, at least not recorded in Scripture. 
But then we get to this portion here, which I just was so excited that I had this part here, is we come to Abraham's death. Right? This one that we've been looking at, this patriarch, this man of faith, right? Finally, the years of his time on earth come to an end. And so let's read it together. It says in verse 7, This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived. 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. An old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, where is before Mamre, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, the field which Abraham had purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried and Sarah his wife. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt at Beer Lahairoi. And so... What I want to do, if we can today, is like a lot of times, right, after a person dies, we read the obituary, right? I know some of you, you look for obituaries. I don't understand that, why people look at obituaries to see who's died, but there are people who do that. (laughs) That's what they do, right? They go through and they look at the obituaries, right? And then after the burial, right, we read the will. And so what I'd like to do is do that this morning with the life of Abraham, okay? So the first thing is we look at the obituary, right, of uh, Abraham, it says that he died in a good old age. Now, if you remember this, but again, this is amazing to me, is that in Genesis chapter 15, verse 15, we've already looked at it, but if you ever want to go back and check, God promised Abraham, guess what? That you would die a good, at a good old age. I love how the scripture pays attention to details. Right? It is amazing. Right? And so not only does Abraham fulfill what God had promised, right, in Genesis chapter 15, but it says here that he died at 175. That means that Abraham walked with the Lord for a century. He walked with the Lord. He was 75 years old when he left Ur, and now he dies at 175. Very few of us, if any, can say that we walked with the Lord 100 years. Even if you come to know Christ at five years old, tough to make it to 105. (laughs) But Abraham lived in a good or died in a good old age. You see, old age is good if you have the blessing of the Lord on your life. Amen. Yeah, old age is good. Not good for those who don't have the blessing of the Lord on their life. But man, you can have a good or die in a good old age when you have the blessing of the Lord on your life. In fact, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 31 says this, the silver-haired head is a crown of splendor and glory, and it is found in the way of the righteousness. It's found in the way of the righteousness. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we won't read it for time's sake, but verses 16 through chapter 5, into the beginning of chapter 5, it pretty much says this, is that in spite of the physical deterioration and weakness we can enjoy god's presence and do his will right until the very end it doesn't matter physically right physically the corinthian says listen the the old uh, outer man right is deteriorating it's wasting away yet the inner man is being renewed daily so even when you get to a, a good old age right you can still do the will of god doesn't matter Okay, how old you are or how weak you might be. 
Abraham here walked with God a hundred years, right? And it says that he died in a good old age. But like Sarah before him, I love this too. It says that he died in faith. Died in faith. Yeah, as an old man, Abraham knew what lay beyond death. Abraham was not someone who died, I believe, in terror or full of guilt or memories of the people he had hurt. Right? Abraham's hopes were all in the mercy of God, but especially in the promises of God. Okay? He died in faith. Okay? We just read that verse right in Hebrews. Right? He, had not, he wasn't able to see all that God had promised, but he believed it. He believed it. And he died with that hope in the, in the promises of God. And so not only did he die in a good old age, and he died in faith, but he also died, it says, full of years. <laughs> Full of years. In fact, if you see there, some of your Bibles, in years is actually italicized there because in the Hebrew it simply says full. He died full. And really what that means, this suggests that Abraham died satisfied with life. What a great testimony. Now, again, think about this with Abraham. He's 75 years old when he leaves his home, right? And he goes into this promised land. Right? He lived there for exactly 100 years. He lived in Canaan longer than anyone else. He had traveled all over it. Yet, after traveling all over it, living there 100 years, all he owned was a well in the south and a cave where he and his wife were buried. And yet he died full. He died full. And those two places, of course, were the pledge that God granted him, assuring him that that land was going to be his and his descendants forever. But Abraham never saw it. Abraham never saw that land being given to his descendants. All he had was a well and a cave. That's all he had. But man, he died satisfied. He died satisfied. And that's how we should be too. It doesn't matter what you have, right? When you leave this earth, okay? If we die believing Right? And having hope in the promises of God, we die full. We die satisfied with life. And not, not only that, but it doesn't say it here, but there are three times Abraham is called the friend of God in the Bible. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, and in James chapter 2, verse 23. Now, I want you to notice this. Notice all three times Abraham is called the friend of God. It's hundreds of years after his death. We never hear in this time that we've looked at Abraham called the friend of God. It's actually hundreds of years later by the Spirit of God revealing these things to men, writing down that Abraham was a friend of God. Okay? I point that out because we've studied the life of Abraham, right? We have found Abraham to fail God time and again, right? But his failures did not destroy God's love for him. I don't know if I mentioned this, I should have, is that the second point I wanted to make today is this, is that you don't have to be perfect to be a friend of God. You do not have to be perfect to be a friend of God. I point out again that God and Abraham are vastly different from one another. God is infinite. God is eternal, unchangeable, utterly free from sin, 
full of holiness and love, the creator of the cosmos. Abraham, he's one of us, right? He's a fallen son of Adam, marred by sin, weak, inconsistent, a man of like passions to ourselves, whose only hope lay in the promises of God. And yet God addresses him as his friend. It is so important to emphasize that you don't have to be perfect to be a friend of God. Of course, we can grieve our friends by the hurtful things that we do, but they remain our friends. Abraham was capable of deceiving, blaming others, loving himself, giving into temptation, turning away from the truth. God still remained his friend. I see myself in Abraham. Without the grace of God, Abraham would have lived and died in Ur, a slave to the idols that filled that city. But today, I, like Abraham, am a friend of God because the Lord is so compassionate and forgiving, uniting me to his son. Can't you identify with Abraham? Right? We don't have to be perfect to be a friend of God. God is so compassionate. He's been so forgiving to each one of us, uniting us with his son, that God, I think, would even call us a friend, even though we are imperfect. It's such a, an obituary, right? That Abraham, here is a man who, uh, as it says here, died uh, a good old age, right? Died in faith. He was a friend of God. <clears throat> But he also says here that uh, he was gathered to his people. Gathered to his people. What does it mean when it says he was gathered to his people? Well, one thing I know is it certainly denies annihilation. It wasn't like Abraham died and was just gone, didn't exist anymore. He went to another place, right? He was gathered to his people. Abraham did not cease to be. Rather, it declares that at his death, he went on and joined the living family who had preceded him, the household of faith, the people of God. One day, you and I will be gathered to our people. So, of course, the question is, who are your people? Right? I mean, if God's people are your people in this life, then I believe that you will be with them after death, <laughs> right? In the home that Jesus is now preparing. But for any of you who, those are not your people, right? There will be a crowd that is waiting in a place called hell. And so it's important for us to make the right choice now because eternity is forever. But one day you will be gathered with your people, <laughs> whether it's the house of God or the household of faith, the people of God, or those who rejected him in a place called hell. But Abraham did not cease to be. It says that he went from this earth and moved on, and went on to join that living family. And so, as I said, usually after someone's death, there is an obituary. And we see here... Um, the life of Abraham, certainly I'm not even doing justice all the things that we could reflect on uh, with the life of Abraham. But sometimes, too, uh, there's a will that's read, you know, after the burial and things like that. And so 
I thought it might be cool to kind of look at what Abraham left us. Right? Abraham did leave his material wealth to his family, right? Um, but he left his spiritual wealth to the whole world. All those who would believe in Jesus Christ. And so there's just four things I'd like to share that he left us. Um, and the first one is this. Abraham left us a clear witness of salvation through faith. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, says very clearly there that Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's it. Okay, Abraham could not have been saved by the ritual of circumcision because God declared him righteous long before he was ever circumcised. Like everybody else who has ever been saved, Abraham was saved by faith and faith alone. That's what he left us. Okay? Abraham is the example of that. You read all through the New Testament. Abraham believed and he was declared righteous. It's the same with you and I. Okay? Abraham left us a clear witness of salvation through faith and faith alone. But not only that, Abraham left us the example of a faithful life. Right? James in chapter 2, he uses Abraham to illustrate the importance of proving our faith by our works. Right? Wherever Abraham went, he pitched his tent, he built his altar, he let the people of that land know that he was a worshiper of the true and living God. When he offered Isaac on the altar, Abraham proved his faith in God and his love for God. He was not saved by works, but he proved his faith by his works. And James says that's what he left us, right? God said, okay, listen, you've trusted me this whole time. I promised you a son. I gave you a son. I gave you a son, Isaac. Now I'm going to see if you still trust me. Sacrifice your son to me. And Abraham was willing to do it. He left us that, listen, yes, we are saved by faith and faith alone. Work cannot save you, but works proves your faith. James says, don't tell me that you're saved. I'll show you that I'm saved by my works. There's too many nominal Christians today. Too many that just say they're saved. But they don't show it with their works. Abraham did. Abraham proved his faith. So not only did he leave us a clear witness that salvation is through faith and faith alone, but he also left us the example of a faithful life that works proved his faith. But also, you know what we received from Abraham? We learned how to walk by faith. True, Abraham did have his occasional lapses of faith, but the general manner of his life evidenced faith in God's word. How do we know that? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. Amazing. Abraham, I want you to get up, leave everything, and go. Okay, Lord. <laughs> Amazing. Abraham shows us, left for us, an example of what it means to walk by faith. You cannot walk by faith if you are not obeying God's word. You can't do it. 
Abraham, by faith, obeyed. He obeyed. True faith is our obedient response to the Word of God. God speaks, we hear Him and believe, and we do what He tells us to do. That's faith. And Abraham left that for us. But the last thing, Abraham left us, he gave us, or he gave the world and gave us the gift of the Jewish nation. I don't know if you've ever looked at that before, but that's a tremendous gift that Abraham gave us. Right? It is through the Jews that we actually have the knowledge of the true God through the Word of God. It is through the Jews that our Messiah came. It is through the Jews that we have our Savior. Abraham gave us that. He gave us the gift of the Jewish nation. And so today, you and I are writing our obituary, are, are we not? You may not recognize that, but you are writing your obituary right now. Okay? You are preparing your, your last will and testament as far as our spiritual heritage is concerned. Today, we are getting ready for the last stage of life's journey. Some of us, even more than others. Okay? Are we making good preparations? Right? If someone were to eulogize you today, right? if someone were to write about your life, what would they say about you? And we're talking about, you know, spiritually, right? We need to be thinking of those things. You're writing your obituary right now. You're preparing for the last day right now. And then, of course, right, you're, what are you leaving behind, right? What kind of testimony, what kind of heritage are you leaving behind for those who know you, to your family, right, to your church family, right, to those who know you. The question is this, are you living by faith? That's what Abraham did, okay? That's a great question for all of us today that we need to ask ourselves each and every day. Perhaps just as we go to bed, say, God, did I live by faith today? <laughs> did I live by faith? Now, did my works today prove my faith? <laughs> also, did I, by faith, obey you today? Did I obey your word today? So, because as you're doing that, you are writing your eulogy, right? You're writing your last will and testament, if you will, as far as spiritually speaking, to those that you leave behind. I praise God for Abraham, you know, because I can relate to him. I talked about this earlier. That there was nothing real. He didn't kind of live in the miraculous or the, you know, tremendous. He was kind of a pretty much a normal guy. Every day he got up, cared for the animals and cared for his servants and things like that, you know. But he was a man who lived by faith. Lived by faith. And I want to do the same. And so should you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for um, your word. Uh, we're thankful for your son. And uh, we're thankful that we get to enjoy both. Um, we actually get to enjoy a relationship with your son. Um, and then also just be able to 
hear you speak to us through your word. Uh, it is certainly a privilege that we should never take for granted. We're thankful again for the life of Abraham. Oh, Lord God, we're thankful that um, he was gathered to his people. Uh, we're so thankful that he went on, that he did not cease to be. We live in a world today where there's so many thoughts on death, whether you cease to be or whether you come back as something else or whether you go to some holding place for a while. I mean, Lord God, we're so thankful that when the time came for Abraham to die, that he went on and joined that living family, um, that household of faith amongst the people of God. And so, um, Lord God, we look forward to that. We look forward to that for ourselves. And until that time comes, we pray that we be people who um, live by faith, that we walk by faith, because we know that without faith it is impossible to please you. Receive our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.